Okay, we're live. Let's snuggle up here. Sorry, technical difficulties. All right, what's up, guys? John Sintez, Cutter Nation podcast, uh, cast, John Peabody, our guest. John, thanks for coming. Second time on the podcast. Appreciate it. Um, how you doing? What's up? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Good to see you guys. Good to talk to you guys. Um, I'm doing well. Same thing. Trying to trying to do what everyone else is doing. Trying to make the most of this weird situation that we're in. Uh, make the most of my time, the family time, and uh, yeah, I'm just, you know, like I said, take care of the family, check in on my players, and uh, see how everyone's doing. Kind of see what happens tomorrow. So they um, just canceled the high school season recently, and um, you know, I, I've seen a bunch of just people just you know, really sad. And it is, it's a tragic thing to happen. Um, it's probably for the best. Um, do you see baseball going back to normal? Or do you see things change? I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to be positive about it and, and see it being normal, you know, sooner than later. But um, I think like every week that goes by where it seems like nothing changes. I don't know. It's hard to, it's hard to see a light at the end of the tunnel, but it's still uh it's still early. I mean, we still got plenty of time before summer comes. So um, hopefully, uh, hopefully over the next month or two months, everything kind of gets back to normal and uh, we can have our summer. So do you think that uh, there's going to be a, like a, a summer season, basically? I think there's going to be a version of it. I don't know if it's going to start in the middle of June, like we're kind of or, you know, first first week of June or whatever, like we're kind of used to. But um, I think I think there will be something I, I really have no idea. I really. I really have. I'm no hopeful. Clue. I hope that there is, because yeah, I really hope that there is, because there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of good kids that work hard, that have uh, invested a lot of time and money into the you know at, until this point that are are at a crucial point in their career of uh, trying to get a scholarship, and uh, it's a big summer for a lot of guys, and I just hope that they get a chance to to kind of showcase themselves in front of the right people and get that opportunity to to play at the next level, because it's a you know, that college is a, is, is a big step in life. So um, I hope these guys can, like I say, get a chance to to go somewhere and, and do what they need to do. I wonder if, uh, have you heard about the NCAA expanding roster numbers or anything? I haven't heard anything about that. I From, from the little that I've heard, um, I haven't heard that there really has been much give um, on the NCAA side. Is uh, The only thing I've heard about is them being able to uh, – to give kids their year back, but I haven't heard about like, you know, giving more scholarship money or, uh, you know, what they're going to do, expanding rosters. Um, you know, I haven't heard of anything, what they're going to do with that playing extra games. I, I don't know Can how that talk a little bit works. more about um, the problem with that in general. Um, because, um, I actually kind of know what you're talking about because my friend Jason was talking about it from the softball side, but can you kind of talk a little bit more about, um, what you mean? Like, what are what are they talking about? What are some of the things that the implications of this? Because you were talking about scholarships, and um, you want to outline that a little bit more. Yeah, I think you know you just you just look at like just the numbers alone. Um, I'm not sure exactly. From I, I want to say baseball has about thirteen and a half scholarships that they give out, um, and they have what a twenty-five to thirty-man roster. Again, I'm 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 not really tight with the college numbers, but it's 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 a lot of, it's not as many scholarships for as close to as many players as they have on the field. And when you have basically, when you give the whole, the whole team opportunity to come back next year, outside of the guys that are going to get drafted and a shortened draft, 
Um, and then you have a whole new group of kids that are going to come in and everyone, you know, your, your money is kind of lined up a certain way. So if you have kids that don't get drafted and they decide to come back and then you have kids, uh, whether they, they were like, let's say a, a, a sophomore, a, a draft eligible 19 year old sophomore, um, who's able to, to, to come back next year as he, if he wants to. And then you have an incoming freshman who you have on a 80% scholarship or maybe even a 30% scholarship. So you're going to have to add and subtract somewhere. And if NCAA is not willing to, to add scholarships, then you're going to have to subtract. And, uh, you know, it's going to, it's going to affect people it may not affect them. Now it sounds good that they're going to give them their year back, but, um, you know, there, there might be seniors that get cut. Um, there might be freshmen that lose that lose percentage in scholarship, and it might happen at the last minute, which is which is really tough on them and and their family and and their baseball situation, trying to you know trying to get playing time or whatever the case may be. I, um, my friend said twenty twenty one they were going to be kind of the front end of this because they're just not there's not going to be yeah. anything left. Um, it's it's really scary. Um, I don't know what else to say. I think junior college, junior college coaches are going to have some fun with it. They're going to they're going to get some good players. I think there are going to be a lot of kids that, that enter the JUCO level that um, they're just going to have to. I think unless, like you said, the NCAA bends with their with their how many scholarships they have. So I think JUCO colleges are going to are going to benefit from it. Um, and you know, to that point, like you said, it's going to have that that back layer on the 2021s. Yeah, it's it's not like these people are going away. Like, just like you're saying, like, there's going to yeah. be, you know, like, I, I, there has to be, you know, they talked about it. Um, <clears throat> I was listening to C.C. Uh, Sabathia's podcast, and they had uh, Aaron Boone and, and uh, their pitching coach on there, too. And they were talking about, like, doing a shortened season but expanding the rosters. Because if you do a shortened season, then you're probably going to ride your horses more, and it's going to do real taxing things to, you know, to your to your starting pitching and some other stuff. And so – you know, you look at the NCA, it's it's probably worse because there's more, there's just more people, you know, they're involved in, in just college baseball, not even the NCA, but college in general. Like it's not going anywhere, like you said, you know, and they still have to go to college. You know? So that's also the thing is like, you can go, Hey, dude, like, you know, we're only playing three or four games a week. Let's play six. And, you know, maybe you can expand rosters and do things like that, but then they still have to go to class and they still have to pass class and still have to travel and they have to do those things, which, um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a lot for, it's, it's a lot for anybody. So I don't, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm not, it's, I don't want to go to like, let's say I'm a senior. I'm, I'm not going to school another year. Are you crazy? So, you know, I, I was talking to some Minnesota kids, um, and it's like, I, I hope kids are starting to think a little bit more non-traditionally. Um, I think you alluded to it in the JUCO route, but I think, um, you know, we've had players create gap years for themselves. And, and I think some some young men and women are going to have to start making some really um, mature decisions for their future. Um, because I think that something that is going to be a lot more attractive because of this is when things get back up and running. For some of these seniors, um, college might not be the best opportunity for them to do what they want to do at this moment. And and I don't think it's that crazy um, for kids to take a year to to train and try to develop and do what they want to do. And and through that process, they might be a little bit more ready to go into college and multitask and, and do what it do what you need to do to be a student athlete. So um, I know it's not for everybody, but 
gosh, hard times really make us reflect and, and think about what's important to us. And, and I think this is, this is going to be a differentiator for a lot of players, whether they want to continue to play, right? And um, it might just be very eye-opening to a lot uh, where they go, I really know how much I want to play. And this, this makes it even more obvious because when I got nothing left, all I want is baseball. You know, so yeah. it, it's it's pretty cool how we we get to be in this as as scary as it is, and kind of try to offer some perspective um, from our experience. Um, I want to so in that vein, we can keep talking about this all day long. Um, and and by the way, thank you for that perspective because I think that people need to like kids need to be really thinking about like what are the real ramifications for my playing time at any level and and actually have some real answers we don't need fluff right now we need like we need some honesty so i i also you know in our text message last night i think it would be helpful to to kind of offer a distraction a little bit here and just kind of just try to talk baseball as if the world around us is not going on what do you think let's do it (laughs) let's do it let's try not to uh, let's try to let's try to marry the new school and the old school guys a little bit huh yeah, for sure. So um, let's. I'm gonna start real broad and just like say, what's balance? Like, how do you start talking about balance in in your hitters? And and feel free to talk about balance in life, in school, and however you want to take that. Okay, let's start there, John. Yeah, one hundred percent. One hundred percent. Well, I actually, we, we, we had our text, so I kind of went through and I, and I actually wanted to just look at the actual definition of balance, right? Um, and let's just, uh, it's the weight even, evenly, uh, weight evenly distributed uh, to something or someone to remain upright or steady. And to me, the steady part is the part that, that really stands out. So um, to me, balance is just really finding a position where you can be steady, finding a position where it's whether you want to call it 50-50, whether you want to call it 60-40. Um, to me, it's in a position where, where, where like I said, I, I feel like I'm, I'm steady and I'm locked in and I'm not, I'm not shifting and, and, and I'm strong and I'm connected to the ground. Um, yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the, that's, you know, that's, that's the best way I can describe it is, 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 is be firm, be into the ground. And, and like I said, I keep going back to the word steady and stable. Um, stability is another word I kind of I, I kind of keep bouncing off of when I, when I talk about balance. So um, it looks it looks it looks different at different times. Um, I mean, you guys being pitching coaches, you guys completely under. I mean, you guys even more so. I mean, you guys are never. How how long are you guys on two you know on two feet right? So you're constantly trying to find balance sometimes. Um, in, 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 in so many different ways. Uh, that's why it's hard to describe sometimes. So um, at the end of the day, like I said, it's, 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 a, it's a form of being steady. And that can mean when your foot is in the air, um, I'm steady, right? Um, all the way to heel strike. So um, that's, that's kind of where I started off with is just understanding that, that, there, that, there's a, that, there's a, uh, that there's a stability in every kind of position that we kind of put ourselves in. Um, so it sounds like, like to me, I'm hearing that that's very much like a lower half and, and working from the ground up. Can you have like a balanced uh, lower half and then an imbalance in your upper half? Or is that interconnected or like help me understand that a little bit more? Um, I'm sure that, you know, young hitters can create a, a, an, an ability to a certain extent to have some type of balance. 
with their lower half and have their have their upper half be off a little bit. Um, in particular, maybe more so on the backside. You can find some stability being a little bit more on the back than maybe being on the front. But um, no, I really want you know when it comes to the upper half and what what does stability look like. Um, to me, having that head, like you said, in the in the, in the center of the body, um, right over the belly button, whether it's you know we talk about having the head the the nose over your nuts, um, having your head over your head, uh, those are things that I use with my hitters to kind of help them stay centered and to keep them like in like I said in a steady in a steady balanced position. So um, the upper half definitely means something. Um, the relaxation with our upper half can dictate our balance um sometimes guys again will crank and load up too early which is gonna which is gonna which is gonna mess up their balance um you know moving uh moving moving forward and and with a proper sequence in the sense of maybe having some type of fusion with with my upper half as i'm going forward to create some balance as i get to heel strike is important so um again depending on the individual you know i'll navigate it i can navigate it so many different ways because balance is so important and and, and like you said, it happens throughout the whole swing. So um, it's something that you can really talk about forever on, as far as I'm concerned, because like you said, it's, it, it's constantly happening. So if I can give my two cents, I think the challenge with the idea of balance is that there's so many different applications of the idea, right? And so it's almost too ambiguous or too broad or too general of a term for us to actually right. take something out of it. So I think um, for whatever it's worth, I think, you know, just standing upright, you can be imbalanced. Like you can feel yourself leaning one way. You can feel yourself um, maybe turning something on. Um, so one thing that I, like your, your shoulders might be up and you don't even realize that like we're tense, we're anxious, something like that. And so if I could give my two cents, it would be if, when you can start realizing that balance exists, everywhere as you're walking as you're sitting as you're doing all these things it's going to be a lot easier for you to recognize the imbalances as they occur um so and i know that's probably that that conversation might be a little bit more for the college and high school player um but regardless it's still the same thing we have to find a way to get eight nine year olds too to understand what balance is um so okay you, you said some you said heel strike and so i know that i had asked you about launch launch position Okay. Um, do you want to run into that? Because in my opinion, okay, that moment where the front foot's coming down, whether you're a hitter or a thrower, I think that's actually what everyone's arguing about. Um, so tell me a little bit more about heel strike. Tell me a little bit more about launch position. Um, or maybe that's not even a thing. Um, launch position. So, yeah, when I talk about launch position um, – you know, just so everyone knows what, what, what we talk about when we talk about launch position, like you said, it's that position to, to me, I talk about launch position being the position that I'm in right before that barrel starts to right before I activate my core, um, right before I start to activate my actual commit, committing to not committing to swing, but, but starting the muscles that, that start my swing. Um, and to me, that's, again, it goes back to being balanced, right? So, um, to me, when I'm when we talk about the the launch position, I I, I kind of use the LA. Justin Turner did a did a really good job, kind of of showing the like a little bit of an LA logo in his body with with his with his with his feet being the the bottom of the A, with his head being the top of it, and with his arms kind of being his arms and his bat being the L, right? So 
using that as a as a kind of a generic example and something you can work off of to be in a position before you launch whether your hands are a little bit higher whether your knees you know whether your feet are a little bit closer it's just a, it's just a good generic version of of where things should be um to an extent so like i said there's so many there's so much individualism that goes into what a hitter should look like at launch um you know if you look at certain hitters like mike trout his barrel is completely kind of sideways over his head where you look at other hitters like mickey mantle where their barrel is a little bit more vertical or like uh, jeter on like the camera can't vertical. really get that angle yeah yeah like jeter's vertical. right some guys or like acuna right so to, to so again it's not an it's not a position that we sit there and teach uh, this is exactly what you should look like but there's there's certain little intricates inside that launch position that that we should be in um that is my job as a coach to kind of figure out what works best for that player, whether he should be a little bit more connected, whether it's okay for him to be a little bit more disconnected because he can, he can get the barrel down. Um, there's, you know, how do we train? Do we, do we train to get the kid to learn how to flatten it out? Or do we just start with it flat? Um, there's so many variables to, to why a hitter should, should be in a certain position and why you should train getting to another position. Um, you know, is he a left-handed hitter? Uh, is he a left-handed hitter that throws righty? So is he is he even able gonna is he even gonna be able to get that barrel from vertical to flat because he doesn't have the 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 ability to kind of use his left shoulder the way a right-handed hitter could use his right shoulder or a left-handed hitter that throws lefty could use his shoulder to to get the barrel flatter. So there's all these there's all these reasons why players or hitters are, are in positions that they're in. And like I said, us as coaches is to kind of figure out, you know, why they're in that position and how can we, how can we create consistency while maximizing uh, kind of his potential with his body and, and, you know, his bat speed and, and what is his, what is his, what kind of uh, hitter is he? Um, but at the same time, like he said, you know, not, not cookie, co- not, not, not putting guys in the same exact position. I feel like a lot of, a lot of coaches do um, because there's some logic to, to, to putting guys in certain positions, whether, like I said, it's a, a Donaldson who has a little bit more of a tip or there's a Correa who has a little bit less of a tip, right? So some guy might have a flavor and can, can, can justify kind of teaching those things because they're really good hitters that, that move that way. Um, but I just don't, like I said, I don't really believe in that. I believe in, 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 and that there's more than one way to do a lot of things and that to make a one hitter land like Donaldson and to make another hitter land like, like Mike Trout, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm open to different, um, which like I said, I don't think a lot of people are. So, um, yeah. Two things that jumped up. Um, so you talked about being connected and I heard bat speed. I want to talk about both those connected. Yes. Connected. No, I don't know um, what that means. So, 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 yeah. I mean, there's, let's just again, let's just go back to the word connected, right? It means it means close to, right? So, um, when when we're when you know, as a hitter, we want the bat closer to my body, um, the clo- not the closest, right? But I want the bat close to my body. My my bat, my body, when I when 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 used correctly, is going to create the bat speed. So, if the bat can be connected to my body, um, again, which means in in, in, in in my world, dude, what video am I? There you go. Um, having my arms bent um, as I continue, as, as I get to launch and as I kind of continue to turn, opposed to disconnecting my arms and now creating a longer path, right? So 
connection just means, like I said, having the back close to my body. Um, how do you do that? By keeping your arms bent, right? And I want to stay connected as long as I can to disconnect, to get extension out in front. If I end up extending early, like I said, it affects my speed to the ball, but also affects my path, you know, to it and through it. So, um, like I said, being connected early is, is very important. Um, there's other connection, right? There's connection to the ground as far as like where, where my vertical bat angle is. So there'll be hitters that that barrel is really steep when it launches. And if they can flatten it out and get it connected to their body, then it works out okay. Um, there are certain guys that, like I said, start with it kind of at a 90 degree angle with your spine. Again, so if this is your spine, right, you want your, let's just use the T because D, right, that's a 90 degree angle, right? So I kind of want to maintain that 90 degree angle with my spine before my barrel starts to turn, right? So, um, some guys, like you said, have a hard time getting that barrel flat to that 90 degree angle. Some guys need to, some guys don't. So, um, like you said, being connected is not just keeping my arms bent, but also having that bat, like you said, get to that 90 degree angle as I start to turn and as I get is to that, contact. Is that a blast, excuse me, is that a blast metric? It is a blast metric. Uh, they use the term early connection and they, and they use the term connection at impact. Um, I think sometimes early connection, like I said, can be can be over critical, can be overused. I would rather measure the mid connection uh, because, like I said, there are some guys that are disconnected early, some guys that are, that are connected early. But no matter what, they are connected in the middle to uh, to impact. So I think, like I said, measuring the mid connection is is makes more sense than than measuring the early connection. The early connection kind of forces you to almost swing one way to a certain extent. I know that you've had a relationship with them in the past. Is that something that you continue to use with your training or you have mixed feelings on it? Um, um, I really technology's don't. A big, I technology's a big thing, you know, and everybody has their own opinion. So here's your – go ahead. My, my problem with the technology is that it's just not deemed as accurate as far as I'm concerned or it's not deemed as useful to a certain extent like um, – I have video of like, you know, area code and blast motion just put out video of, of bat speed guys. Um, you know, and it's just, I have a, I have a motion sensor. I have Kevin Shim at 85, 86 miles an hour and they have him at 76 miles an hour. You know, and it's just, there's just too much. I've, I've had too much of a discrepancy with, with, with some of the bat speed issues, even though I, and I do, and I, and that's my biggest problem is I do think kind of the bat speed is kind of the, in the grand scheme of things, the sensor is, you can use video for everything else and you should use video for everything else. Um, like you don't need a sensor to, to see if your barrel is connected to your body. As far as I'm concerned, like you should be able to see that. Um, you can't use your eyes to measure how fast your bat's going. So I've had way too many discrepancies with the bat speed where I'm just like, you know, I'm just, I kind of just stopped using it to be completely honest, but. Um, it's, it's interesting. Um, and then like, just to think about, um, I think you, you really have to be critical of, uh, and this is more from uh, a high-level standpoint, right? I think I think this is a good thing about technology, in all fairness. I think the fact is that it's gotten people to gamify things in a way that makes them want to train a little bit more. But I think the side effect is right. that when we actually start getting into it, um, there are some limitations. And I think the limitations are, are those things actually, you know, 
positively correlated to their success, right? And so bat speed is a tough thing because, yes, if you hit the ball with better bat speed, you hit the ball better. But the key is, like, how do you right. hit the ball? And, and I think that that's – it's just it's just one of those things where there's you, you have to have some sense of balance in the whole thing and have some perspective of what matters. So, anyway, touch a little bit more on just your, your idea of bat speed and how you're talking about it with kids. And yeah, we'll see where it goes from there. Because it, it's it's a metric, yeah, I mean, and they bat, have to know about it, right? Like people want to know what their bat speed are. To, Colleges want to know. To me, it's the most important metric. Um, your your attack angle, the direction that your barrel is moving, which again you can see in a video, but sometimes it will get harder to see. is is super important. But to me, it's it comes down to bat speed and and, and bat path. Um, and yeah, like I said, when you come to when it comes to bat speed, it's super important, man. The, the the faster you can swing, now the faster and the easier. I mean, easy, easy effort, easy bat speed um, is to me is 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 more important than just bat speed in general. Um, um, right, we're all trying. I get that hitters try, um, but it, it needs to be uh, again. I, and I hate even the word effortless gets. I think sounds bad because it's not effortless. There's definitely effort there. Um, but it's, again, it's, I guess it kind of comes down to just moving your body in, in, in the right sequence and being able to, to, to control, to control your body and your swing. Um, but yeah, just having, being able to, being able to deliver it easy. So like, again, so, so I'm not, so I'm not so deceptible to the off speed stuff. Um, right. I don't want to swing hard. I want to swing. I want to swing quick is, 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 is something that I talk to guys a lot about trying to do is, is being quick to the ball. Um, not, not being hard to the baseball, um, being, so it can be a little bit more of a reactionary thing instead of, uh, kind of a set out to set out to swing. And, and it's just a, it's just a longer, harder movement as far as I'm concerned. Um, we do talk about doing early, you know, early bat speed, um, trying to trying to excel the barrel a little bit early with certain hitters that that can do it um this way if i am late i do have some i do have the barrel uh, moving with some momentum late in the zone so so i can still hit the ball hard i'm not you know pushing my hands and then making making not only i'm making contact and you know too deep but i'm, I'm making it with with a slow bat so if i'm going to get beat deep <clears throat> at least try, at least try to get the barrel moving a little bit early um, so I can get there. Um, uh, so I, so I can do some damage with the ball. Um, you know, we find it in different ways. Um, we definitely, we will use some heavy bats. We'll use some light bats. Um, you know, I, 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 I like the heavy bats. I don't mind the heavy bats. I, I kind of like using the light bats more, um, to be completely honest. I feel like when guys feel what quick is, it seems to help them move the bat quicker. Um, I know there's been science and, and all that stuff done on donuts and and how much do heavy bats actually create bat speed i think if you do it over a long term um it, you know heavy bats definitely will create some bat speed um and i think that's kind of the you know you know i just i just like in in, in a 45 minute lesson i like the way hitters react to after using a, a lighter bat uh first so how, how do you guys feel about i mean you guys are you guys are you guys are I got, ball, I got so guys. much. I, mean, how I got you? so much into what you're saying. It was awesome. So one, I mean, because you guys just went for a minute. The, the technology thing you said is very interesting because 
the trust of the numbers being consistent across the board. That's the number one thing that throws up red flags with me. You know, uh, we've been yeah. learning a lot about radar guns and things, and we're starting to understand like things simple like battery power can affect tremendously some of the numbers. Like if you don't have a consistent power source going into your radar gun, and apparently normally uh, electri- electricity spikes, right? It just happens. Well, that can happen right. when your radar yeah. guns, and all of a sudden well, you can get a spike and you can throw one six miles an hour faster. And you're like, what? You know what I mean? It's just something crazy that happens. And a lot of the people that we've talked to, that happens. So I, I ask you a question. Bat Speed Recon, are you familiar with that? What's that? Bat Speed Recon, are you familiar with that? I'm not. So our buddies over in, in um, Colorado, Go Catalyst Sports, they created a device that you put a reflector on the end of it, and it'll give you your bat speed on anything that you put the, re- the reflector on, right? So if you're saying bat speed's everything, they use this pr- primarily for underload and overload training, and it's, and it's, it's very off the tee. So it, it's, it's just a way to track your progress of doing like you're saying, right? So I think one of the ways they use it, they use, they do like a program, but one of one of like that um, exercise, I guess you could say, or days, is like a you use a light bat and you crush baseballs with it off the tee, and then you go into the cage and use your normal bat and see if you can replicate the same movements, just like what you're saying. So it's an interesting device, and you might want to check it out. But um, you know, I, I agree with you. You gotta you gotta have stuff that you can trust and. Even understanding what radar guns are really doing, with doing an estimation calculation, uh, calculation, um, it's very interesting since we've been learning a lot about that. So check that out. Number and, one, you know, go ahead. I will send me send me some info on it. Oh, we will, we will. We know, we know the guys. With a, sometimes with the bad sensors, it's like um, it's like the the higher level, the faster it moves, the harder the harder it works and the, and the more inaccurate it is. Like with the younger kids, it's pretty accurate, but with the older kids who really swing it at, you know, 80 to, to 90 miles an hour, it gets inaccurate, you know? Totally. And, and like totally. I said, it's, a, dude, I've, I've been embarrassed sometimes where I've had, like, I told this guy, like, yeah, dude, I've had X player had to get it up to 90 miles an hour with, with a bat with, with, with the, with the sensor. And he's like, Oh dude, we don't have a major league baseball player that swings at 90. So I'm like, it means nothing now, you know. Like I said, if anything, I look like a dumbass because I'm telling someone that a guy swings a bat at ninety, and he's telling me I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. But yeah, but that's not your fault. Just, though. You know what I mean? Like things, you're, dude. you're just trying to, yeah, right. for sure. You're trying to try like the rest of us are in, in the situation, and and those those um, sensors and ideas and everything, th- those are tools of measurement that help us track the progress and help us understand where they stack up to the potential of whatever level they're trying to get to, right? Right. It's the same exact thing that we're dealing with. And the people that, the people that give us shit for, for, for throwing running guns and training velocity, it's like, yes, if that's all that we're doing on our own, right. Independently of anything else. Yes. That, that might not be good in and of itself, but, but we know how movement happens. And so I think that's like where, where you run into a guy like you who understands how the body moves. That's the differentiator because all of this technology, all of these ideas don't mean anything if you don't understand how the body wants to move, right? And so to be able to identify these things, you got to have some guidelines and you have to have some principles of like what the body likes, you know? And so anyway, it just has to be. And that's where we, and that's where, and that's where we go to the the swinging hard versus, versus throwing quick. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, like I said, throwing the ball hard and, 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 and zipping it where you need to do it versus just 
chucking it where the hell you need to do. And there's time obviously to do both, right? There's time where you need to train to swing as hard as you can. And who cares about your head pulling off the baseball? Who cares if you, how hard you hit it, just feel what, what hard is. And then like tie to hone it. Like there's, like I said, but I just think so many kids when they get the sensor or they get the radar gun, it just becomes who gives a shit what happened. Yeah. There, there are just let it go too sure. much of it. Too much of it, yeah. And I, I and I do, you know, I use I use a hit sensor. I use the hit tracks all the time, you know, with my guys in Temecula. And there's times where I got to be like, I got to shut it off because it's they're on their first swing of the day and they're looking at the hit tracks. I'm like, bro, like, you're crazy. So, um, <laughs> you know, I get it though because I know if I played, I'd be looking at the thing too. So, um, well, you know, and got to make sure and, that uh, swing responsible. Could you imagine if hitters actually got their data on the screen like a pitcher did? Oh my gosh! I like I said, I the first time I ever like I was I want to say I was 14 years old and I was pitching at the area code games. Uh, never, you know, didn't really know what it was. I heard about it, um, but I was like, "Cool, I'm I'm here. Might as well, you know, might as well throw." So I'm seeing seeing guys pitch, and I'm like, "Damn, dude!" Like their numbers popping up on the, on their scoreboard there. And I know in the trot, I was like 92 or something, something like that. So I'm like, all right, let's see this. I'm throw it. And before the catcher catches it, I'm like turning my head to see how hard I threw it. And I don't, I don't, and I don't think I even touched 90 that day. I think it was like 89. I think I was sitting at like 89. I was like, damn, but yeah, just being able, that was my first time ever. Like I said, throw the ball. See, it's weird, right? right? There, what, you, what you were doing is crazy. It was crazy. It's weird so. when it's like on the scoreboard and you're like, you're actively, you know, if you've never done it before, you know, because there's a generation of, of us that like never threw a game with the radar gun visible to understand what was happening. Our generation. You know I, mean? I, 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 never, generation. I never did yeah, it after sure. that. that was the, only, yeah, the only time, unless yeah. you play in the big leagues, you don't you throw a pitch and know what you pitch, you know, that's, you know. So, it was so yeah, it's, helpful it's to me experience. when I, when I would come in release and throw and like, look, and they're like, man, I don't feel good today. And I look and I'm like, oh, well, that's 93. So let's just stay there. That makes sense. Like, okay, yeah. maybe, maybe, maybe I, maybe I have good timing. Maybe I'm right there or on the flip side where it's like, okay, something's wrong. 88, ain't, it's, there's, you know, I don't know what's going on weird, you know, and you try something on the next one. You're like, okay, there it is found. It. So, you know, calibrating right. and processing that fast. I feel like a high level guy like you or me could, could handle that, but totally get caught up in the you know the doofus side of it you were like huh <laughs> you know just yeah caught, was, just completely I was, rubber I was on the doofus side for sure <laughs> um that was me all day wanted me to ask you some questions about sequencing and, and you know some some things as far as how hitters approach um pitchers and uh, i know you and i have had some awesome conversations about this about there are some some weird things happen um i made a uh uh, I made a weird claim uh, to our group, and I'll say this to you: um, I, it's 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 a, an aggressive statement, but I, but a, a, an easy generalization. So I'm generalizing for sure, right? So on my feed the other day, um, Kumar Rocker shows up in the game where he pitches against Michigan and just completely embarrasses them, right? And I, uh-huh. I see it, I see it right away. Every guy on Michigan has the same flat college swing, every one of them. So he comes in going going two seam, four seam slider, and he's got a banger and they're all taking this same level swing, completely missing the ball. They're not even on plane. There's no athletic movement at all. They're all, they look like they're in two strike mode from the first pitch. So they're basically on their heels. And, you know, to you, 
my, my question is, you know, as a hitter, if you're coach and you guys have a philosophy and you're seeing your entire team strike out, like when do you, when do you try something else? When do you risk that? Um, it comes down, I think it comes down to, to how much did you prepare for that ability to make that adjustment? Um, to me, if you didn't prepare, if, if, if you, if, if you don't feel like you can, if you don't feel like you can hit the damn thing, then it's pretty hard to sit there and go, I'm going to try to hit it. Um, so I really think preparation is, is, is really the, the, the key to being able to feel comfortable kind of jumping off that edge of, of, of going outside of that approach that you would normally have of, of trying to work off the fastball. Um, and there's kind of, you got to be willing to think differently. You got to be willing to, to sit on a slider and say, dude, I'm going to look at that pitch. And when it comes, I'm going to, I'm going to swing, I'm going to swing three, five inches underneath it and hope that it's hope that it slides. Um, you have to be willing to take some risk to, to take some risk. So, um, you gotta be, like I said, you gotta prepare, um, Hopefully that prepare can, can get you to change. And then, like I said, you got to be willing to take some risks. You got to be willing to swing and miss. You got to be, you, you know, you're going to look like a dumbass. Um, so try to do it. Try to do it wisely, I guess. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, you're, you know, to sit there and to sit there and act like you're going to, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to hit rock or slider. You're not, you're not going to hit good sliders. You're going to have to elevate. You're still going to elevate in the zone as much as you can. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to try to scoot it over a little bit and, make, and try to make it a little bit more over the middle of the plate as much as you can, and try to try to hope he makes a mistake and capitalize over uh, capitalize on a mistake. Um, yeah, well, let's, but that's, like that's I said, you got to prepare for it. Yeah, it's, I, I agree. You I mean, prepare it, for it. It, it. To me, it was weird. Like we know he's going to throw the slider, right? He's going to throw sixty of them or whatever it is, and I just saw so many like just out front wrist rolls and situations that. I felt like if they had a better, like, for example, like if there was a Venezuelan in the, in the, in the box, he would have just been like shooting balls over the first baseman's head and, you know, going to the four hole and playing that game to try to make him change his, his strategy. And I just saw, you know, righties and lefties, everybody in the same, I saw the same like level bat path of everybody just going like this. And so, you know, when the ball's going down and the angles are different, it just doesn't, to me, it doesn't make sense. And it's something I looked for, you know, when I'm pitching myself. So, you know, it, it it's, I know it's an yeah, aggressive I mean, question from there, but. Yeah. I mean, like I said, the attack angle, right. So now when we're talking to that, it goes back to, you know, like I said, to me, the two most important, the two most important metrics being bat speed and attack angle. So, um, yeah, it's just getting guys feeling comfortable trying to swing underneath the baseball, um, which is, which in college is, is, you know, even in, even in pro ball, you know, the idea of swinging underneath the ball is, is, is hard to do. You know, it's just so outside of my normal realm of thinking that, um, you know, it makes it, it feels weird to even think like that and nevertheless move like that. So, um, yeah, like I said, you got, you got to, you, you know, when the, when the kid, when the pitcher is throwing well, you, you know, there's, there's only so much wiggle room. You're going to have to adjust to make him adjust. You know, if you're showing him that you're sitting on his slider, then maybe he'll start throwing, he'll start, he'll start making an adjustment. But if, if it's working, you know, he's not going to change, especially when you have that dominant type of stuff. If you have, if you have stock stuff, then maybe you'll, you'll adjust to kind of change the psyche and, and, you know, you're playing kind of that mind game. But when you're, when you have dominant stuff, like Rocker has dominant stuff, it's, you know, you got, you got to make the adjustment as a hitter to hit it to make him I'm excited to to see if, if, you know, because 
looking at his body type, looking at his movements, like you guys are talking about. And when he gets drafted, you know, like I, I won, I think, I don't even know how old he is, but I'm pretty sure the age is 21 and I don't know where it is, but like this gap and whatever's going with this could mess with so many guys on that side of it too. Like, do you jump out as a rocker and just go, I'm out, maybe go Juco for a year, get drafted and call it a day because this could ruin up the whole thing of what you're doing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I think it's that Vandy, uh, you know, Corbin, Corbin put that spell on him, man. Corbin, uh, you know, you get some good players to go out there, man. Like I said, I, I, w- I was a mediocre player and I would open a junior college before I went to uh, a, a college like that. If I was, if I was a player like, like rocker, I mean, you know, you know, justifying going to the, going to a junior college for two years before you go to a school like that and just trying to get drafted four or five times. You know, it makes sense, but, um, you know, I think it kind of – I've heard – I know some kids at Vanderbilt. I know I've, – I've heard nothing but good things about, about Kumar, to be completely honest. It sounds like he's a – That's awesome. He's a really good, good teammate. Um, like I said, it sounds like he's kind of a special kid on the field and off the field. So, um, I think he was looking for that that chance to to be a kid and uh to to live that to live that dream and and at the end of the day dude like what he's 18 19 20 he's gonna get drafted know, right exactly Kid, kid's gonna be in the big leagues at 21 years old um you know god willing he stays healthy he's gonna fish in the big leagues for 15 years and he's gonna make as much money as he's gonna be able to spend so um <laughs> you know that vanderbilt life is uh it is like college is not once in a lifetime um, you can go to college anytime you want. I mean, there's only, you know, I get wanting to go to college when you're 18, 19, 20, 21 years old. Um, the Vanderbilt experience is, is a little bit of a, it's, that's not the same college experience that, that people experience at San Diego state. So, um, you know, kid went out there and, and, and lived his life, lived his best life for three years, had some fun doing it. And, uh, like I said, if he stays healthy, you know, he, he can be all right. Yeah. I'm excited to see where he's going to progress I, to. I, I'm just saying there's there are some things that he's a big boy, and it and makes me wonder why he's not throwing a little bit harder. And uh, yeah, I mean, what is, I, I, I get, I he's, what, I don't know how hard he throws, but last time I checked, 97, 98. That's what I thought he was throwing. Seems to seems to be all right with me, but so it's like it's in relation. So that, that these are the things when you see big dudes throwing that hard. And then you compare them to how little dudes throw hard. This is the whole argument. So I'm just saying that um, I hope he continues to work his butt off and continue to, you know, try to be the best that he possibly can be. Because there, there are things that that will will haunt him a little bit down the road. Um, I'm just saying. So he, he's he's obviously really good. What number one? They're talking about number one overall. Yes. I think so. So anyway. Anyway, it, I mean, okay, so let's let's get a little bit back into some more uh, sequencing talks right there. So basically what I was saying was like offensive strategies not working, right? Um, how many different strategies do you really try to focus on like early? Do you, you know, there's a lot of very general things that happen, right? That are they're very easy to understand for, for a young guy. And our job, in, in contradiction to what you're trying to teach, is we're trying to stay off page with a lot of our guys. So when we, you know, we got nine-year-olds, 10-year-olds playing against 12-year-olds, and we're, you know, just explaining the situation better. Like, 
we want to practice throwing this sequence of pitches when we're going to face the best hitter we could ever face. So we got tools in our tool belt that will disrupt what he's trying to do. So when I talk to my hitters about that, what, you know, there's so much that goes into that, right? So as a hitter, again, unless I'm going against that super, and again, even if I'm going against a super dominant arm, it's like, like you can't have too much respect for the pitcher, right? I can't sit there and assume that you're going to sit there and paint three strikes on black and you're not going to make a mistake, right? So um, I start off with getting kids to understand where they're good, number one, right? What are you good at? How good are we at, at tunneling uh, at tunneling pitches into that zone? So that's what that's the first thing I want them to understand is who are they? Um, I don't think that young players understand that pitchers make that they don't trust that pitchers make enough mistakes. Um, you know that they like I said that they you know they they swing at pitches because they're strikes. They don't swing at pitches because they're it's their strike to hit. Um, you know that that they just you know, they don't, you know, again, I, I watch so much baseball. I'm starting to put together these like extra clip things where these extra at bats where you kind of see pitch by pitch by pitch. Dude, Mariano Rivera gave, gave, gave Miguel Cabrera three good pitches to hit and with up by two with a runner on first base. Uh, Gagne gave Barry Bonds, again, they're 98 miles an hour, but he gave him two, two, three good pitches to hit that at bat. Um, you know, the best of the best pitchers are, are, are going to give good pitch are going to give good hitters uh, pitches to hit. The best hitters are going to get good pitches to hit. So no matter how you look at it as a hitter, um, no matter how good he is, no matter how good I am, I'm going to get a pitch to hit. Um, so just kind of getting guys to trust that number one is, is a big thing. Um, I talked about looking responsible because I feel like pitchers, you know, you guys pitch off a guy's body language. Your job is to, to get guys out of balance, right? Your guys is to get guys to swing out of sequence, right? Um, so if at least if I can take a pitch, right? So if you're going to throw me an OO curveball, right? Um, if I take it responsibly or I swing at it responsibly, um, I think a pitcher's next thought is, okay, I'm going to mix it up. I'm not going to sit there and just bury curveball, curveball, curveball um, on this guy to get this guy out, right? I'm going to, I'm going to go, I'm going to go soft. I'm going to go hard, but, Again, you going hard is what I want you to do. Um, so, like I said, you know, making sure that guys look like they can hit um, is, 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 to me, is really important. Maintaining, you know, balance into a good launch position so you're not selling out on one pitch, thus getting the opposite that, um, that, uh, that you want. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. no, totally. Totally. There's <clears throat> a couple things right there. Number one, uh, can we do uh, another podcast with you and I talk about the pitchers and the hitters right there? Because that's going to be awesome because that's, that's going to be fun, especially about how guys are going against. And, and um, I was saying this the other day that uh, I think MLB, let's just do crazy live at bats on like, let's just vote on Twitter. Who do we want to see? Like, let's get, let's get the, let's get Mike Trout versus whoever. Like, you know what I mean? Let's get like five dudes yeah. and put on a real special event for MLB. And let's go Mike Trout, Max Scherzer. Let's see, some, let's see it. I want to see it. Because that would draw. Let's do it. If we did live at bats with the best big leaguers in the world, everybody would tune in. We'd be like, all right, let's see what happens. You know, this is an opportunity yeah, for Major League Baseball game. to do some. Oh, dude. Yeah, hey, forget the All-Star game. Let's just do live ABs. That's what everybody wants to see anyway. Right? right. 
create some weird yeah. point system. Nobody wants to run the left field or right field anyway, or, or leg out this yeah. double. Like that's risky for everybody. But if they knew it was live at bats, <laughs> they'd be like, you'd see them be like, <laughs> you know, like yeah, um, Kershaw. Cause you know, you know, the world would go nuts if, if Trout took Kershaw deep or whatever it was, you know, like there's some super risk there, but that's like the intriguing part about like tennis, that, like, where it's like one v one, and you just don't see that in baseball, you know. And right. when when we when I it's so funny when I go live to some of these college kids or some other guys, and when they go like they don't know what happens, like they forget that there's another human there, and I'll just say something, and then they just look like, huh? And I'm like, yeah, you there uh, in the box, you there, hi, <laughs> I'm messing with you. Like, what are you doing? You know, like shut up and swing the bat, you know? And they're like, why is he talking to me? What is happening? You're not allowed to do that. And I'm like, oh, dude, poor guy. You know? Yeah, no. They're not, they're not used to that one-on-one street ball, man. Yeah, exactly, dude. If, if we're playing wiffle ball, I'm, I'm, I was telling Cass, I need, I mean, of course, things we need to order and do, but I want to get some blitz balls in here and just, like, have a blast and, like, throw some nasty things and create some fun videos, you know? Dude, but why is that so, like, I'm so annoyed because that's such a good idea. Like, can you imagine Bryce Harper versus anybody, just nine at-bats in a row? Just like one v one, that's nah, cool. It's... I just, I think they got bigger things on their mind right now than uh, trying to get that. But at, I mean, at some point, at some point, um, you know, things like that might become a reality. Like, you know, when you talk about the summer, and, hey, what are we going to do with the summer? Chamber that's Bowers. what I'm saying. I mean, there's, I, I think that there, there could be something like that too, where guys just go, Hey, if we're done, we're done. And we can go do our stuff privately or whatever you want to call it. And then guys, yeah, they could just go in the stadium. Nobody's there, you know, just broadcast it. Oh my God. It would be perfect. Rent it out, rent it out, you know, look at it as like, you know, whatever. And, and, uh, you know, like I say, get with other guys that have, that have good social followings and, you got millions and millions of viewers watching your stuff. You, you, they'll be that, fine. That, it's such a good idea. Have you seen what's going on on Twitter? And there's a bunch of things going on right now, which are crazy on Instagram. So Instagram crashed the other day because Mike Stud put on a, a celebrity beer pong tournament, and uh, <laughs> yeah, it cra- it crashed the other day. Yeah, and it crashed uh, the gram. So what, huh? what they were doing? What they were doing? It was like Gronkowski and somebody else, right? And there were so many people on the feed that it crashed the program. It crashed the service. But but if you Jeez, but what we're talking gangster. about is we're talking about power back to the players and like creating these these athletes and these people that have these followings and they can really draw eyeballs. And that's where like MLB and and all these media conglomerates don't want don't want to lose that power because the player, you know, it, you can see the NBA. The players run the league. That's what it is, right? And if you look at football and, and baseball, yeah. that's the difference. The, the players don't run the league. So until it becomes fair enough for that situation, we're not going to see. I mean, why, why does the NBA have a dunk contest and we don't have the equivalent of that in, in Major League Baseball? Like, we just have we have a million-dollar idea that everybody's automatically so many red flags, so many liability waivers and contracts and teams. And instead, if we had if there were no rules and we were just on a baseball field and we'd be like, go for it. Like, John, I, I'm yeah, sure you and I could go out today and I could face you look, and it would be a blast. It would be so much fun. It, would, it wouldn't be that entertaining. Trust me. It would be, uh, <laughs> it'd be, it'd be, it'd be quick. Um, but it, the problem is the problem is the problem is the pitchers, man. No one's worried about hitters getting hit by shit. They're worried about you guys hurting your little arms. 
<laughs> there it is. There it is. You're you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Comes, Meanwhile, I'll, I'll go crazy. Well, that's why we need. That's, yeah, that's really yeah. why everybody knows Mad Max is the man because he'll throw seven days in a row. They don't. They, they, they're so yeah. far off. But I'm sorry. It's, yeah. Even the ones that are getting close, you can't you can't do what you need to do on a complete organizational level and then expect it to happen everywhere when you don't have the people in place. They're still not putting the right coaches where they need to be. They still don't. I mean, there's a whole entire organizations that are just still stuck five, ten years ago. It, it's just we, we keep on saying it. You know, I talked to John today about not re- repeating it. Like I repeat this all the time. We should have motion. We should have markerless motion capture. Uh, information on every single swing on every single it should be broadcasted live because it, because it, it can be but nobody it, 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 oh man it's crazy it's crazy yeah i digress yeah what do you well, think they tried. Listen, i think they we've tried. been going well you know this is this has been great uh i don't want to eat up too much of your time we got to get going on our side of stuff too but so just for everybody we got we're doing this every day for the next like three weeks at least um at 10 a.m pacific time um, this is John, this has been brilliant. Uh, I'm so impressed with some of the co- points that you brought up. So thank you very much for joining us. Um, tomorrow we have Nick Belzer with the Milwaukee Brewers, um, a kid that I, uh, coached uh, with the Mankato Moondogs in the Northwoods league. The following day we have Weston Germain of Mill City throwing. Um, we'll, we'll continue to post up thumbnails and, and everything like, uh, last night I posted that John was going to be on and then we had stuff today. So every day, 10 a.m. Pacific Cutter Nation podcast. Uh, as long as people keep showing up, John, well, I'll, I'll reach out to you also. I think that you, you and I going back and forth, or all you know, all of us going back and forth, some of those videos would be super cool because we see, you know, we I have how awesome has been the MLB Network recently, like just all of these awesome games, and you know, we watched um, yeah. Game Two, Smoltz. It was it was the Pirates and the Braves of Game Two of the '92 World Series or something like that. It was Smoltz and and uh, somebody from the Pirates, but. Dude, the guy from the Pirates, um, who was, what was his name? Buckner. Anyway, anyway, it doesn't matter. He was just bangers. It, it was, it was hilarious. I was laughing because you could see like he was completely backwards or inside out on guys and he's going like front door slider, like front door slider, banger, banger, change and all of these against like Ron Gant and all of these guys for the Braves and they're just nowhere close on anything. So we'll definitely get there. And they're, and they're, and they're, yeah, we, we got into it, dude. There's there's so much more because, I mean, like I said, yeah, you just start digging into numbers and things like that. Who we got over there, huh? That's, uh, the, van. that's, that's, um, that's the Vanimal. That's the Vanimal himself. Yeah, because, I mean, like I said, when I talk to my pro guys, it's like, dude, just eliminate, like, eliminate the off-speed pitch. You like, I, ha- I haven't had one pro guy get, get off-speed pitches in the strike zone uh, higher than, like, 18% of the year. You know what I'm saying? Like they're not getting off-speed pitches in the strike zone at all. So um, yeah, I guess we can talk about that a whole nother topic. But yeah, that, that staying off the staying off that curveball, man, as much as you can. Make sure it's going for strikes and uh, go from there, dude. But yeah, it's great. That, that reminds me too. We gotta um, we gotta get together because we got some pro guys too. Whenever we do get the AOK to go outside and do stuff, I'll reach out and we'll we'll set up our our fun times. We'll set up some good stuff and, and get some good. Yeah. I hope I give we'll up have the bomb. Some good weather to. Uh, we'll be good. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. 
All right, guys. This has been awesome. Right. Thank you very much, John. I appreciate you, man. Don't forget to subscribe. Uh, mash this like button. We'll put some stuff out on YouTube or I'm on Twitter and our social media networks to go from there. John, how do people find you? It's uh, PeabodyBaseball.com or at PeabodyBaseball on Twitter. Cool. This has been great, awesome. man. I appreciate it. Thanks for always being an amazing yes, guest and, and, and taking a little time to come over and hang out with us. All right, guys. Thank you very much. Anytime, man. Anytime. Appreciate it, bud. All right. Later, boys. Later. Thank you.